0: Welcome to Your Call to Action with your host, Simon Bruno, sharing inspiration and motivation from the e-commerce world. Today, this is Your Call to Action. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Your Call to Action, the e-commerce podcast for those looking to take action to grow their e-commerce store. Today I'm with Geordie Frost from Bank Digital. How's it going, Geordie?
1: Pretty good. How about you?
0: Yeah, pretty good. It's nice to have you on to the show. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Awesome. So, Geordie, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners?
1: Uh, Yeah. I'm Geordie. I'm from Bank Digital, like you said. Um, I am a customer experience director at Bank Digital, and uh, so that involves looking at the strategic side of brands and how they engage with their customers and the sort of entirety of the customer journey. And I guess from an e-commerce side, we have a lot of different e-commerce clients that we deal with. And personally, I also have a couple of different side hustles um, in the e-commerce space that I I work on. So yeah, e-commerce is certainly something that I have a fair bit of experience and and a passion for.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So you said
1: you work for Bank Digital. What do they do? Uh, So Bank's are digital marketing Agency. It's been around for almost 15 years now. So we started off in the search engine optimization and Google Ads space. And you know, slowly over time, we kind of worked towards other parts of digital marketing, email, social yep. media, web development, that sort of thing. And the past couple of years, we've kind of seen the opportunity grow for more customer experience and more of a broad understanding of how customers engage with their brands. Yeah. And yeah, so we've transitioned into a lot more work in that sense and that's involved kind of conversion rate optimization from a, a tactical perspective and also journey mapping and a lot more research and really understanding how, how customers engage with, with brands and businesses and how businesses kind of try to solve their problems at the respective stage of the customer journey.
0: Yeah, cool. And That's probably what we're going to be talking about a little bit as well today about um, customer experience. Yep. But before we get into that,
1: what got you into digital marketing in the first place and e-commerce? Um, it was pretty organic to begin with. Um, so I started, I was working at Curtin University uh, just in the, uh, the customer service team when I was a bit younger and yep. I had the opportunity to do a temporary contract in the alumni department and that was doing nice. email marketing and a bit of web design and that kind of really sparked my interest at that point. Then from there, I was like, All right, I can't really go back to anything else <laughs> um, from that part, point onwards and so then I kind of looked at Expand my horizons, and I initially worked for Bang about seven or eight years ago, um, and that was my first role outside of Curtin, and that was yep. kind of diving in the deep end of digital marketing. And it was uh, jack of trades, master of none kind of role, and okay. so that would be doing some SEO stuff, yeah, coding websites, be you know, working on email development, graphic design, that sort of thing. And that um, gave me an opportunity to diversify my skill set, which was really great. Yeah, yeah, and so that was how really cut my teeth in digital marketing and I've kind of grown from there. And I went in-house and worked for Watercorp then I am back at Bang in in my current role. In terms of my my e-commerce experience, I think it was just like a passion for the analytical side of e-commerce. So, you know, one thing with lead gen businesses is that you can't directly see how the work you're doing is impacting the bottom line. Whereas with e-commerce you can say, Right, if I change something on the website, if I run a split test here, or if I change you know, an ad, ad copy, whatever it might be, I can see the revenue go up or down or convert yep. rates and that sort of thing. So yep. the real one-to-one correlation between action and result is something that is, I think is really awesome. And you know, if you send out an email or run a campaign and you see the revenue go through the roof, that's a really sort of exciting feeling, where yep. you know, getting leads to the door, also exciting, but then, you have to understand you know, converting leads into a sale is a, no, a more challenging process. Yes, yeah, exactly,
0: hundred percent, hundred percent. So a little bit of talk now about CX or customer experience. Yep. I guess on a high level uh, viewpoint, what is CX or customer experience?
1: Yeah, so CX to me is the way that customers engage with a brand or a business at every touchpoint and stage of the customer journey. So that's kind of like the, the top level definition of it. Uh, I think it can be thrown around as a buzzword a bit in particularly in marketing circles. you yep. okay, got to optimize the CX and um, <laughs> make this super-sexy CX. You like, mm, yep. yeah, that grades a bit. But um, at its core, it's basically about effectively solving the problem of the customer at the various stage of the journey they're in. So, Okay. and the problems the customers have with businesses that they want businesses to solve can change over the journey. So it might be something small when they are first looking to engage with business and then it expands as it goes on. And um, that's not just an e-commerce thing, that's just across all businesses. But yeah, I think understanding CX is probably the most critical element that businesses don't really think about because it is a real long-term strategic process, yeah exactly. And you have to really step back from the operational stuff and the tactical side of things and say, okay, what am I actually trying to achieve? What do the customers want? And Mm. you have to put time and energy into researching stuff and that yeah that costs money and that takes time Time off the off the tools. Yep. Um, so for e commerce businesses Particularly when they're relatively small, that can be hard to find that time to do. When you know, you're putting out fires and you know, yeah, sending exactly. orders sent out, and that yeah, sort of thing.
0: exactly, exactly. So, for those who don't really know, what does it involve? Customer experience Op- optimization.
1: What's optimization? Yep. So I guess, yeah, like I was saying before, the first step is just research and understanding what your customers are trying to achieve at the various stages of their journey, and so. You know, a traditional customer journey spans from when the customer is first understanding that they have a problem that they need to solve uh, to understanding more about your brand and how they can, your brand can help them solve the problem through making a purchase and becoming you know, an ongoing customer for life and, and an advocate for your brand. So that's kind of the uh, cool. yep. truncated version of the customer journey. Optimizing that involves understanding. So like the customer journey is the macro level, understanding the micro components that go into those respective stages and then trying to find out what the friction points are for the customers and how you can eliminate as many of them as we can uh, and make sure that every step of the way, it's as easy as possible for them to complete the task at hand. So yep. whether that's you know in an e-commerce context, I guess, the, from our perspective, the sale is the, you know, Primary task that we're trying to get customers to achieve, Mm -hmm. but the customer, at least in the first instance, might just be looking for information about a product, so that might be the task in the awareness or research phase. So, we need to understand that and say, We're going to provide value by answering your questions early, so you build equity with the brand, and then we're not going to ask for a sale at that point, but then you trust us to know that our product is, is going to be good down the road. So, it's about understanding what customers want to do at various parts of their, their journey. Yeah. And yeah, kind of fulfilling those and catering for those things. Exactly exactly. Right. Yeah. Because
0: not not everyone will go onto an e-commerce store, see a product that they like, even though they really, really want it, they're not gonna go and just buy it. You know what I mean? They'll shop around, do a bit of research yeah. here and there, what's the benefits of this website, what what even they'll maybe they will even go to the shipping page and see how long it takes for stuff right. Yeah, yeah there's heaps of stuff that's involved in the research phase. I yeah, guess, exactly uh, right.
1: And the reality is that For even the best performing e-commerce sites, 95% of people who go to the site aren't gonna buy a product. And that's just a fact. So you say, okay, what what are those customers there to do if not buy a product? And is that a failing of the website to convert Mm. them or is that a failing of us as businesses understanding what they want? Mm. And so that's kind of the the key differentiation there. And so if you say, okay, maybe they want some educational content or and find out more about the product or are just browsing. That's also cool, but you need to understand where they are in their journey yep. and then kind of cater what you're gonna do next them
0: Yeah. So how can e-commerce business owners evaluate their CX?
1: I think at a really basic level, in terms of metrics that are easily available, conversion rate on the site is a good one. Yep. Um, so you know, if you've got a high conversion rate on your site, that's a fair indication or like a fair proxy that the customer experience is good. So if you're converting at just 5%, which is like a generally good conversion rate for e-commerce sites, then that's a solid indication that either your product market fit is great or that your customer experience on site is pretty strong. Yeah, I think that's probably the, the primary one in the context of the website. Yeah. Um, beyond that, I'd look at something like customer lifetime value. So understanding if, if customers come back and keep purchasing from you as a business, then that's probably another strong indicator that they enjoy your products, enjoy doing business with you. It's relatively easy from a customer experience perspective. Um, and so in terms of hard metrics, there are two that I'd look at. Yep. Um, yeah, there's other things you can look okay, at okay. in terms of customer surveys and get a little more, more qualitative Darker. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that's certainly stuff that I would build into the customer journey at various stages, and not just after the fact and say, you know, how was your product? Or how was your experience? That sort of thing. But also trying to get people who don't purchase, and if that's like you know, you know, pop up survey on the website as people are closing their browser and say, hey, just before you go, we'd love to hear what you're here for today, and yep. just get little bits of information as you can. So yeah, I think there's a whole set of tools and measures that you could do, but I think basically straight off the bat you could go conversion rate and customer lifetime value is really good e-commerce metrics.
0: How can you turn a negative customer experience into a positive one?
1: Empathy is the first one. So kind of like the ultimate customer experience is one that feels like it's a one-to-one personal thing. So if you are able to replicate a one-to-one experience and whether that's like a walking into a store a store, or on the phone or whatever it might be, where you're talking to a human being, they're able to easily empathize with your problem, take your information and solve on the spot. Yep. That's, like yep. A, great, that's a perfect customer experience. Mm. So it's true. the question is like how can you replicate that in a digital context and scale and um, So that's kind of like the, the ultimate customer experience. So turning turning bad problems or you know, bad situations into good ones, that's actually a really great opportunity. So people might look at poor reviews or feedback or like challenging customers as a bit of a pain in the arse, and it can be, but you want to say, right, from this, if I'm able to flip this person into having a great experience, yes their contrast between the bad and the good is going to be quite stark. And so you'll be able to get a really good feedback, like really good review and feedback from them. Um, And in addition, in the process of that, you can take those learnings and say, okay, why was this customer struggling? Was that something that was specific to them? Or is it something that is happening across the business and I'm only just getting visibility of it because of the feedback from this customer? So I'd say, Negative feedback and negative customer experiences are more valuable than positive ones. Positive ones are just like reinforcement, and that's you know a bit of a yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's great. Yeah. But um, and it's great for reviews and, and things like that. But in terms of fixing challenges in your business and eliminating pain points and removing friction, when you get people saying, "Oh, this is you know, this product didn't work," or uh, no, "It's too hard on the website," that okay, sweet, sorry that didn't work, here's how I'm gonna resolve it, and then go away and fix it, so the next person doesn't have the problem, and if you get 100 different ones like that over the course of six or 12 months, then all of a sudden, your site is operating really, really smoothly, and your conversion rate will go up, and that goes back to kind of Mm, the measures of customer experience success.
0: It's almost like you need those negative experiences to make your website better, which actually makes complete sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely,
1: and I think if you, Go through like an extended period of time with no negative feedback, then probably no one's using your product or probably no one's like on your website, and that's a real concern. Okay, like the biggest, best companies in the world that have hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars invested in CX, yep, they're seeking out negative feedback so they can fix the problems. So um, sometimes it's hard to deal with, particularly if you're. Tied to the product of the business, and to your own business, and it feels like a kick in the guts and something personal. Mm. It's not that; it's just that that's an opportunity. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. So probably the next thing I want to talk to you about is your own e-commerce site. Yep. Um, so you run two. You run Cook Island and Cook Hooch. Yep. Um, so what's been your experiences with running both stores at the same time?
1: Well, I actually run a third business as well. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's not e-commerce, but yeah, um, I think. My experience has been probably I have bitten off more than I can chew, um, okay. particularly with a full-time job. So, yep. yeah, these, they started out as side hustles and they were things, well, all of them are things that I'm very passionate about. Um, but I think the biggest learning was just in terms of context, I'm certainly a person who is like, see opportunities and then like, oh, yeah, we we'll do that, we'll do that. and I commit to too many things and am not necessarily able to follow through in the same way that I would like to. Mm. Um, and so, I think one of the biggest learnings would be to kind of focus on, on one and not spread myself too thin. Yeah. That being said, like the thing with the you know, your own businesses on the side is there's no inherent pressure from anyone else, so it'll just go as far as you want to take it. So yeah, I guess we started off with the... Creek Island, which is the party shirts. Yeah. Um and so that was born from me just enjoying wearing sort of bright colourful party shirts and because I'm so tall, like six foot six foot six, six foot six, six seven, and there's it's hard to find good fitting party shirts. Generally when you go up in sizes they go out instead of long. So yeah. yeah, I was like, oh this I was doing my research and there's clearly a market for extra length shirts or just like, you know, longer fitting shirts. Um and just like in the bold, colorful prints are light. So yep. um, yeah, that was, that was how that one was born. And in terms of the transition from that into Kook Pooch, which is a sort of matching brand between, of party shirts between dog owners and their, and their dogs. And so there's you know, party shirts for, for dogs. Yeah, so that was born from the COVID pandemic. Okay. So in the, in the first instance, it was like, obviously there's, when everything just started to shut down, I quickly came to the realization that for party shirts, there's probably not going to be that many parties over the mm. next 12 yeah, months. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of them were people buying for festivals and stuff like that, and yeah. as an industry, that just disappeared. Um, so I had to quickly pivot from that point. Um, and one thing that i had been looking at previously was, excuse me, um, like individual prints that were prints of dog breeds because dog owners are so passionate about their, their different breeds. And um, so I thought that'd be a really engaged market. So I did a yep. bit of research um, and put a survey out, I think it's about 150 different people. And I said, okay, like if you, if I had a party shirt print with, I think it was Pugs that I did the, the survey on, yep. Pugs printed on there, would you buy the shirt? And came back and it was like 95% of the people surveyed said yes. So that was pretty good there. Um, and then I threw in, I actually wasn't intending to do matching dog shirts in the first instance. Yeah. But one of my mates mentioned that he would buy one for his dog. Um, so I thought the question in saying, um, would you buy a matching one for your dog? I think 87, 89 percent said yes. So virtually everyone said that they would buy you know, a matching pair. Yeah. Even if they weren't necessarily like, people who wore party shirts normally. hmm In the context of the relationship between them and their, and their pet. They certainly would, and that was kind of an eye thing for me. And so that was when I pivoted, and I was like, okay, well, here's clearly here's a market. Um, yep. I just need to get some get some dog shirts and get some dog <laughs> time. So that's yeah what I've been focusing on for the last twelve months.
0: Yeah, nice. So um, you spoke about you working full-time and then a side hustle. Was that yep. the reason why you wanted to start an e-commerce store to begin with, or was it just like um, a learning thing?
1: Oh, I think yeah, yeah. I'm have a ferocious appetite for learning Um, and so I really do try and take in as much information from everywhere as I can. Yeah, I don't think it was necessarily like the motivation for starting the store. I think it just was born quite organically and I was interested in it and I've always been interested in in e-commerce stuff so like for a couple of years I, I had been looking for an opportunity to do something along those lines and that was just the one that like aligned with my personality, my interests, and then the actual practical side of it. So, um, yeah, that was that was how it found out.
0: Mm, nice. So, what has been the biggest thing that you've learnt when running an e-commerce store?
1: Get the product right. That's yeah. probably the biggest thing. Um, yeah, being from, coming from a digital background, a lot of my approach to. Uh, pretty much everything was minimum viable products like you get the MVP out there, iterate, optimize, you know, test yeah. and learn as you go. Yeah, and it doesn't really work when you are getting shirts made in China in, in bulk. Um, and if something stuffs up, then you're like, Oh, now I've got you know, 400 shirts and uh, yeah, there's something true. wrong with them. So, um, yeah, it's yeah, true, it hasn't, hasn't bitten me so hard that it's <laughs> breaking me, but there have been moments where I've, um, yeah, there have been challenges with the product and because I've, I've tried to go to market too quickly. And so I've done research around the marketing and the audience and the design, but not about the actual development of the product itself. And so that's, that was a real learning for me coming into it. Yeah. And yeah, so for all the stuff around like marketing, website, that sort of thing, that's cool, but if you don't get the product right, then it's just going to turn into a shit show down the road, and you're going to get you know, returns and mm. bad feedback, and yeah. and it's not feedback that is actionable <laughs> necessarily because you've got you know a bunch of products that are sitting there, and like you can't you can't optimize a a shirt after it's you know, made a, a bit too small. Yeah, um, I, yeah So exactly. yeah, that's kind of the biggest learning. Beyond that, I guess the second one would probably be influencers and the power of influencers. And you, we heard it anecdotally with different brands that we were working with at the bank um, but we never had like an influencer campaign that we were running ourselves. Um, and then with the dog shirts, I thought I'll oh, we'll give it a crack and I'll reach out to a couple of people and just send them, send them some products and go for a review. And I think it was their first or second influencer. And they didn't have like a massive following, it was about um, 50,000 on Instagram, so it was like a middling audience. But they perfectly aligned with my product. Um, And they posted a video of them wearing it to both Instagram reels and TikTok. And I think across the two platforms, it got about three million views. Um, And yeah, I just had a massive spike in sales, even though I wasn't really, ready for the TikTok like they couldn't um, tag my account up because I didn't actually have a TikTok account. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was certainly not prepared for that and didn't um, take advantage of it as much as I could have. And, but you go through and there's, you know, like I said, millions of views on, on TikTok and there's about 700 comments and I can 500 of them are, are saying, oh, I love this shirt, where can I get it? And thankfully the, um, the influencer had gone through for most of them and said, oh yeah, search, Koopooch, that sort of thing. And, did their best, but um, yeah, I think there was a, a big opportunity for me to yeah. kind of fix that, and I guess that was kind of the you know, real moment of clarity for influencers being a big part of my strategy. And they won't they won't work for every brand. Like, you know, if you're B2B and you're talking about mining equipment, you're probably not going to get a Kardashian to buy your mining equipment. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for specific brands, the power that they can hold is just unreal mm. because of the the lack of lack of expense on the entry point, particularly so those lower level ones. Yeah, like um, the micro ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. yeah. So those ones, it's mostly just about sending out a product and saying, hey, "I'd love some feedback. I'd love love an mm-hmm. honest with you And you know, if you're, if you're happy to share with the audience, and that would be that would be great. But you know, if you're not comfortable with that, so there yep. And so you know, it's. Fifty, hundred 100 bucks out of out of our pocket um, and then the potential return investment is you know, far outweighs anything you can get with traditional uh, paid ads so yeah um, yeah, and that, that was a real eye-opener for me in that sense and yeah seeing, seeing the views go up from you know, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions it's just like whoa that's that's something right there so yeah that's probably the other big learning like the power of influences for the right product. Yep. Yeah. yeah, nice.
0: So final question is your call to action. So to end the podcast, we ask our guests to provide a call to action to inspire listeners to do something to build their e-commerce store for the week or for the month, whatever it is. So what is your call to action?
1: Um, oh, I would say ask your customers more questions. And so think about like we were saying earlier, think about what they're trying to achieve by engaging with your business. And it's not necessarily about the sale. Like the sale is what the business is trying to achieve, but the customer is trying to achieve something different. And so if you can drill down and understand the core motivators and drivers behind why they're engaging with your brand, then you can shape your value proposition accordingly. And I think that's something that people don't necessarily do in e-commerce, I think a lot of it is around getting the product out there, you know, showcasing the product, the features, you know, sometimes going to the benefits, that sort of thing. Okay, why is you know, why is a person buying this you know, hair roller or whatever it might be? Is it because they need a new hair roller or is it because they want to feel good about themselves? And so understanding what the motivators are mm. is really critical to tapping into like the psychology of engaging with, mm. with the customers. Um, and I think that's kind of like the next tier of thinking, once you've got your product and your your website all sorted, and you think, okay, how am I gonna acquire these customers and how am I gonna talk to them in a manner that, you know, aligns with what they're trying to achieve.
0: Mm. Cool. Well, that pretty much wraps up the podcast. Did you wanna do any shout outs or anything Um, to Bang or say hello to anyone? Oh, (laughs) I might as
1: well say goodbye to Brad at at Bang and he's obviously (coughs) a friend friend of Keyspace, so yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: All right, well that pretty much wraps it up guys. Until the next episode, we'll see you around. And yeah, hopefully you guys can optimize your customer experience and grow those sales. Till next time guys, see you later, bye.
1: Thank you for listening to your call to action. This episode has been sponsored by Keepspace. Do you run an e-commerce business? Is picking and pecking your orders getting you down? Send your products to us and we'll get it done on time, every time. Integrating right into your website and marketplace with amazing shipping rates. Go to keepspace.com.au forward slash your call to action to get an amazing opportunity.